Welcome to this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, your in-depth look at anything and anything related to Yellow Jacket Athletics with our engineer Elliot Sweary and the Big Sound Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and I feel like this week's episode is brought to us by the letter W because lots of wins in the last week. Yes, there were, and we'll have plenty to talk about in that regard. I just want to ask you one question, though, before we get into that. Are you dried out yet from yesterday? I was in the press box. That well, that's true. So I, I well, did it rain on you on the way back to the vehicle? No, not too bad. Okay, not too bad. Okay, you know the uh, we had some drowned rats running around though in the press box <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and those of you who are listening and know what I'm talking about, I think as we record this on a Thursday afternoon, um, our good luck with the weather ran out yesterday. I think officially it did. Yeah, it definitely did. I mean, we we did have we did have a day earlier in the year where it was quite heavy rain during during soccer and uh that was really the only blemish on the the fall sports season so far until yesterday right yeah and it, it was funny to listen to people remark about oh sure the women's team gets to go across the bridge and play in Duluth and it's 72 degrees and there's no wind and it's beautiful and then the very next day it's 45 degrees and raining with a 30 mile an hour wind off of Lake Superior and I'm like well yeah welcome to life in the twin ports right, number one yeah. and you know, number two, anybody who's followed the rivalry between Superior and St. Scholastica in men's soccer, typically the weather is not good when those two teams play. Correct. I, I re- remarked to, to Coach Mooney about it a little bit that I remember when our head athletic trainer, Ben Casper, was a freshman, he scored the overtime winner in a one nothing win over St. Scholastica at Public School Stadium in Duluth in driving rain. Yeah. And well, that's I, not too far from what we had yesterday. No, and I remember also when the two teams played a midweek game at Duluth East High School, probably around 2012 or 13, and it was frigid. Yeah. It was ridiculously cold, like in, in the 20s with a wind chill around zero. And I'm out there with the camera taking pictures, and that, you know, midway through the second half, I'm like, what are you doing? Right, yeah, yeah. Why are you doing this? Your, your fingers are numb. Right. It's not great for equipment. Why are you doing this? I, I, but it, it's typical for the weather this time of year when these two teams meet. The weather very rarely is ideal. Yeah, it's weird because it just happened, though, kind of out of the blue yesterday, I feel like. That was, that was the thing I think that caught everybody by surprise because we've been really spoiled. We have. And again, the day before was 72 degrees. Right. As we record this on Thursday, it's in the high 40s, but... The sun is out, yep. you know, and it's it's nice. Right, yep. And then you had yesterday that anomaly in the middle. Yesterday with, had a little bit of everything. I know it was really hard to see up there. It was horrible to try to see. Yeah, we needed a squeegee or some windshield wipers yeah, or something. No, I, it, it was horrible to try and, and view what was going on out there. And you, you didn't know I had the window open too much because the place is full of electronics, and the last thing right, you need is a yeah. bunch of rain blowing into the press box. That's true. Yeah. It wasn't uh, – it was by no means ideal in, no. in any way, shape, or form, but – as we've said many times on this program, we've been very spoiled this fall. We have been. You know, it's the first time all year that I had to outfit the the crew that chases down all the balls that go out of bounds in their rain gear and parkas. Man, did they go through it yesterday, though. You wow. Know, they, they did. They they went through a lot yesterday, and uh, it's the first time all year we've had to do that. So, you know, I think we, we chalked that up as a win as well. Again, brought to you by the letter W. And... Move on. I had to laugh because actually right off kickoff, I think we the Yellow Jackets went right down and got a really good chance. I think it was Protus Bobbia that mm-hmm. he came through and he let a shot go and that thing sailed. Sailed. And I thought 
oh man, it's going to be one of those nights because that thing, I, I would like disappeared into the night. Yeah, I don't did. know if that ball ever came it back. It did or, come back. Okay. Our, our shaggers were able to go out there and find that one, but yeah, it, 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 it sailed. Yeah. It got up in that wind. Yeah. And, and well, it, he came it, through and just hit it really hard yeah. too. So I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that one so, went through the wind, and wow, okay. Yeah, all right, that's going to be one of those nights. Yeah, yeah. The first half wasn't bad. No, why? Because it really wasn't raining all that much, and when you talk to, to Joe today, he said it's interesting because in the first half, there was no wind on our side of the field. Right, It yeah. was calm, and then everybody up in the stands on our the other side of the field is going, wow, it's really windy, and it's cold. Yeah. You know, so it was it was almost a tale of two different – yeah, it was like it was circling. Or yeah, something. it was yeah. it was really strange. And in the second half, when the rain started, it was just miserable for everyone. Yeah, for everybody. Yeah, anyway, that's your. That's I, I think that's that's enough chat about weather. Yeah, you know, yeah. We, uh, I feel like we don't want to like anger the yeah, weather. That's gods enough anymore. talking about a mother nature. It said, okay, you know, here you go. Have your nice right. fall. Have some fun with this. And, but it is beautiful today. And, so and get ready. That get ready for winter. And right. You know, yep. Okay. So yep. be it. But so, yeah, yeah, it's been a been a great fall uh, by all accounts. It sounds like winter is going to be average. Yeah. Because of La Nina. So. You know, That's okay. Yeah, I'll take that. We'll, we'll take that too, and hopefully yep. that leads to a, a decent spring. That would be nice, and and be able to not have to jockey around schedules too much. And, well, I know that uh, uh, Fracker and TJ are both wishing for that to happen as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they had good fall ball sessions, and um, I know that TJ and, uh, like I said, Coach Melissa Fracker are both out like recruiting like crazy right now. So. Yep. Anyway, we'll talk more about them, of course, when the season comes around. So Correct. There you go. Correct. In the meantime, you are right. There are a lot of W's to talk about. There are a lot of W's, you know, and um, I feel like just about everybody played St. Scholastica, too. Yeah. You know? Well, everybody played everybody at the same time. Yeah. So it was well, weird. In the span of just a few days. Cause you yeah. Could, you could even go back to last Saturday when the, the men's hockey team scrimmaged. Right. Yeah. You know, against St. Scholastica. So, I mean, it's... It, like last spring when it seemed like we were seeing Northland in yeah, everything. Yeah, I want to bring that up. You know, yeah. now it's the... We're going through the St. Scholastica stretch of the schedule. Right, yeah. And Bethy Lutheran and Martin Luther. <laughs> right. Those are like the three teams that everybody saw last week. Yes. Pretty much. But, uh, yeah, we'll jump right into Let's this. Let's dive because, into it. Uh, thankfully, with all those contests, things went very well for just about everybody. So, <laughs> I think one loss on the schedule? Yeah, one loss last week. And that was uh, volleyball against Scholastica. Mm-hmm. But other than that, everybody else everybody won. Everybody else won. So, yeah, that was it. And uh, first I want to jump off of women's soccer because uh, they're having a – Fantastic they're ha- they're having a year. Yeah, they're having a fantastic season. Um, you know, and you know, watching them play, it's been a lot of fun to watch them grow. Um, and they pass the ball so beautifully now with this group, and they score goals. And uh, you know, yeah, like they're like and I they said, defend so well. They defend really well. They're very well organized. They've got two really good keepers, um, and they're young yet. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the best part. I mean, there's a few seniors that are key players on this team. Don't get me wrong. But this is a very young lineup for the yes. most part. And so yes. they're going to continue to progress and get better, I think. And could be a lot of victories coming their way over the next couple of years here. Uh, but we'll jump into women's soccer. They're now 12-3 and overall. 9-0 and still in the UMAC, all alone in first place in the conference, as they have been for about the last, what, three, two, three weeks maybe? Ever since that Northwestern win. So about two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, about two weeks. Uh, they now have won a school record 10 games in a row. Uh, and they swept three games last week. All of them on the road, which is really impressive. Uh, Yellow Jackets started out the week by defeating Martin Luther 4-1 to on Friday down in New Ulm, Minnesota. Then they followed up with a road trip to Bethany Lutheran and won 2 to nothing. That was on Saturday. And then on Tuesday, got the big rivalry victory over St. Scholastica 2-1 to over at Saints Field on uh, Tuesday up at Saints Field in Duluth. Against Martin Luther, the Yellow Jackets got goals from Allison Alessi, who had a big week, by the way, Toy Vosberg, Ava Giswold, and Kenzie Olderking. 
in the 4-1 win while holding a 24-11 edge in total shots, including 14-5 in shots on goal. Jenna Lang, who's been sparkling in goal this year, she's been really good. She's been really good. Yeah, and the freshman. Four saves in goal to pick up the victory for the Yellow Jackets. Then the next day against Bethy Lutheran, Anna Schusman scored both UWS goals. The first coming at 66-45, the second at 78-13, and both those goals were really well placed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first goal was a beauty, actually, on a head flick over the top from Ava Giswold. It was just a beautiful setup by the Yellow Jackets to score that goal. To pick up the victory, Bethy Lutheran held a 16-15 to edge in total shots, but the Jackets had an 8-3 to edge in total shots on goal, so UWS was able to push them out a little bit. And even when the shots did come in, Jenna Lang was there to make all three stops to pick up the shutout. And then in the, I guess, headliner of the week for the Yellow Jackets, on the road against St. Scholastica, Allison Alessi netted both goals for the Yellow Jackets at 20-47 and then 67-26, while Jenna Lang made five stops to pick up the win. With the victory, Yellow Jackets claimed their first ever regular season victory over St. Scholastica in the series history. So congratulations to the Yellow Jackets on that one. And also claimed the Golden Anchor, which is a brand new trophy, apparently, that is going to be given to the winner of the UWS-CSS women's game on an annual basis. And I have not seen it yet. I, do, have you seen it? Only pictures. Okay. Yeah, I know Allison Alessi had it. It's. I know it weighs five pounds. Yep. Because Jesse told me it says right on there. Five pounds. Five pounds. Okay. So it weighs five pounds, um, and it's gold. Yep. It's not very big. No, it's and small. And that's, that's about the extent that I know about the golden anchor. And I will give uh, credit to Dave Riles, the head coach of St. Scholastica. His buddy, who was actually a captain at the Vista Fleet, who retired not that long ago, was the uh, originator of the golden Got anchor. It. So that's where it came from. So Got it. Um, hopefully it becomes a thing, though. I think that's a really cool idea. Yeah, I, I do too. And we, we've talked about this for years, how I, I would like to see it across the board. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to see some sort of Twin Ports Challenge Cup challenge trophy challenge something or whatever yeah i'd like to see something that encompasses all sports it's surprising that it was women's soccer that did first against them in just about everything right yeah so i'd I'd love to see something that was a little more far-reaching than just limited to the one sport because i if i remember i like at a much higher level you've got minnesota and wisconsin right they they compete in a they have the border cup series yeah yeah, or something like that all sport trophy and it it always comes down to the last few you know rowing softball and baseball basically in the spring and i just think that'd be a lot of fun yeah i think so too and i think the surprise comes that it's women's soccer that came up with it Mm -hmm. first because i mean with our rivalries with them in hockey our rivalries with them in men's soccer Mm -hmm. um our rivalries with them in men's basketball um you know, I mean, you would think that one of those sports, women's hockey, softball, I mean, we see them a lot, like you said, across the board. You would think that one of those sports would have come up with the idea first, but right. if, it, if it's women's soccer, then good for them. Great. Yeah. Good I on them. It's fantastic, yeah. I, I watched that match, too, and I – because I think it's only a second win yeah. all time. Last time we beat them was in the 18 conference was, semifinals. It was in the conference semifinals, yep. and, you know, not taking anything away. But I, I think I, I felt like St. Scholastica lost that match. Right, yeah. You know, because we we were outshot Heavily. handily yep. in that match, but we we found a way to win. Right, yeah. And watching this one, it was completely different. The Yellow Jackets won this game. Right, yeah, yeah. They absolutely won this game. They they outplayed them, and they were the better team. You know, it's funny for them too, and we'll talk about this in the final segment. But uh, you know, they're creeping up on a chance now to clinch that, uh, if not an outright conference crown, a share for the conference crown here coming up in like the next week. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I talked to Coach Allison Negrote about it a little bit, and she said, you know, her players can taste it a little bit now. Yeah. She's getting the feeling that they're they're starting to feel it, you know. And so, they, I mean, they've got five games left in the regular season, um, and then the UMAC tournament, of course, coming up. But yep. um, they're beginning to feel like, you know, this is this is our time. We yeah, it's it. there. Yeah, it's, it's there. We can go there. grab it. And uh, so 
Uh, some big games coming up. We'll talk more about those later on. But uh, 10 in a row now in the win column for Coach DeGroote in the Yellow Jackets. So. 10 in a row and I think 12 wins total. And 12 and 3, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a record as well. That's a program yep. record as well. So, Yep, Nia Wilson is in the top 15 in the country in scoring, by the way. Mm-hmm. Goals, she's in, I think she's tied for 11th right now with 14. Yeah, she's, she's ranked nationally, I think, in goals and in uh, game-winning goals. Yep. Yeah, because she's got five of those, I mm-hmm. think, is the number as well. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, women's soccer rolling right along. So are the men right now. 10-6 and six overall, 9-1 and one in the UMAC. They also had three big wins. They're tied for first place currently with Bethany Lutheran. We'll talk more about why that happened in just a moment here. But uh, they've won five straight, as we talked about. Defeated Martin Luther, 7-0 on Friday. Bethany Lutheran won nothing on Saturday. Both those were on the road before Donnie St. Scholastica in the deluge last night or at the MC Spartan Sports Complex, 3-1. to one. That game yesterday, I felt like it was kind of a game of attrition <laughs> at a certain level. You know, when, you, when you're playing under those circumstances, I feel like that was kind of the, the name of the game was to try to kind of gut it out. The wind was howling. There was a lot of rain, um, and the conditions were not ideal. The field was – the ball was skipping a lot. So that's one of those where you just try to find a way to get the win, and thankfully right. the Jackets were able to do that. Yep. So um, We'll talk more about that game in just one second here and get your impressions of it since you were up watching it. As much as you could. As best I could through yeah. the, the windows. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> Martin Luther, the Yellow Jackets had no problems. They got another hat trick from Protoss Bobia, by the way, who was UMAC, uh, back-to-back UMAC Offensive Player of the Week, by the way. He's up to 13 goals now on the season. Uh, he scored three of them in the first half against Martin Luther, 24-08. Actually, all three of those goals came in the first 24-08. Jackets got additional goals from Blake Doye, Blake Perry, Philip Erickson, and Drake Schramm. That's the first career goal, by the way, for Drake Schramm, so congratulations to him. UWS 27-5, the edge in total shots, 15-2 shots on goal. Alex Paredes and Peyton Anderson, playing time in goal. Against Bethany Lutheran, the Yellow Jackets scored the game's only goal, 327 into the first half. And from there, it was just a defensive contest, sort of. I mean, there were chances created, but nobody else fell in the back of the net. It was Blake Perry, who uh, now has 10 goals and 10 assists this year. Scoring uh, at 327, the Yellow Jackets held a 17 to 15 advantage in shots and 7 to 5 in shots on goal. Alex Paredes made five saves in goal to pick up the win. And then last night against St. Scholastica, the Jackets rallied back from an early one nothing deficit. Carson Clady scoring his first of the season at 3019 to make it 1 1. And then two goals from Philip Erickson, 75 23 and 83 53, sealed the win for the Jackets. They held an 18 to 10 edge in total shots, including 7 to 5 in shots on goal. Alex Paredes made four saves. For the Yellow Jackets and the win with the victory now, UWS has won the last six matchups in the bridge battle with St. Scholastica and is unbeaten in eight straight, going all the way back to October 3rd of 2017. So it's been a while now. It's been four years and counting since the Yellow Jackets have lost the game St. Scholastica in men's soccer. So, But uh, it was quite the game last night. I mean, It was, you know, and it, it, it you would have thought with them not being in the UMAC anymore that it would have dampened some of that. And it really didn't. No, it was pretty intense last it night. It was intense. There was still that we we need to yeah. we need to beat this team. Yeah, we need I mean, to beat these guys. We are not losing the Twin Ports bragging rights. Here. The game had an edge to it. Yeah, definitely it had an edge. Absolutely to it. had an edge. And as it went, as the match went on, that edge got sharpened a little bit. Yeah, and yeah. It got it, a little bit contentious at it, the end. Yes, it was. Uh, you know, there there was the hostilities commenced to quote, quote our friend Jeff Papis. Um, from the opening kick and just got more hostile right. as, as yeah. the match went I don't. How many cards did we end up with? I didn't look. I know you were targeting. Uh, I think there was eight cards total in the match okay. last night. Yeah, we didn't have any reds, but we had a whole flurry there of yellows. There was a whole yellows. slew of yellows in there. So Yeah, yeah. there was a fair amount of chitter-chatter, too, I think. Uh, it usually is between the two yeah, teams. Yeah, there so. always is. You know, they're, yeah. they're very familiar. You know, the, yep. the, the players 
on an individual level know each other very well, and obviously, a lot of them play together during the summer, right? Yeah, so it's, and so the teams are are very familiar with each other, and that always leads to, a, you know, a, a, it's an added ingredient. <laughs> it is, it is. Uh, you know, the old I think about the years from I went on say maybe fourteen to sixteen or seventeen, it was pretty nasty, mm-hmm. and then it kind of settled down for a while. But last night was a little bit more of a throwback to the days when it right it got a little. Got a little heated, but the Jackets able to pick up the win. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they go 3-0 and last week just like the women did. So, like I said, six up, six down on the uh, winning side for both soccer teams. So they're rolling right along. Volleyball had a nice week as well. Uh, they won two out of three matches to go 9-14 and now over on the year. They're still 7-3 and in the UMAC. They're tied for second place with a couple other teams, Morris and Martin Luther. Yellow Jackets started the week by defeating Bethany Lutherans three sets to one on Friday before sweeping Martin Luther three sets to nothing on Saturday before falling to St. Scholastica to end what was a four-match winning streak, three sets to nothing on Tuesday at uh, Rife Gym in Duluth. Against Bethany Luther, the Yellow, Jacket won, Yellow Jackets excuse me, won by set scores of 25-23, 21-25, 25-16, and 25-17. Jackets were paced by Cassie Teff, who's having a really good junior year. Posted her fifth triple-double of the season, and that went over the Vikings. 17 kills, 17 assists, 18 digs. Lexi Preed added 16 kills and 12 digs. Mayanna Stark, 11 kills and 10 digs. Megan Holes dished out 24 assists, while Jenna Anderson had a season-high 39 digs. And Haley Atwood pitched in with 14 more digs for the Yellow Jackets. Against Martin Luther, the Yellow Jackets, very impressive in that match. That was a totally different team because, like, Friday was a – that was a slog, man. That, Especially the first two sets, The yeah. first two sets were just it, – it took forever, and it, nobody could get any kind of a rhythm going. No. That match was a slog. And then, it, I mean, if that was your – low performance 1971 GMC pickup truck right then Saturday was a Lamborghini yeah it really was and I didn't get a chance to see it because I had to work uh, at another location that day but uh, wow I saw the numbers and I was like wow yeah that was it was a totally different team yeah I mean that they, this against, against a team that they got swept by right, a couple yeah. of weeks ago so that it was helped. a really nice performance it really was they had held the Knights to negative hitting Negative point zero zero three hitting for the match. Well, the Yellow Jackets hit two fifty seven, so that's a big margin mm-hmm. in the hitting department. Final set scores against the Knights twenty five nine, twenty five fourteen, and twenty five seventeen. And you were there, and I know it went pretty quick too. It was like just over an hour, wasn't just it? over an hour. Yep, yeah, it was snappy. UWS was led by Stark, who had thirteen kills. Preed had eleven kills and nineteen digs. Megan Holes had a double double for the Yellow Jackets twenty six assists and eleven digs. While Jan Anderson had thirteen digs. Fortunately, that four game or four match winning streak came to a close against or came to an end against St. Scholastica, dropping the match in three sets to the Saints, 25-18, 25-16, and 25-14. Cassie Teff had a double-double with 11 kills and 15 digs. Megan Holes had 20 assists, and Jenna Anderson had 12 digs as well for the Yellow Jackets. But uh, still two out of three in the week ain't bad, and still, like like I said, they come into this week now tied for second place in the conference with, uh, with some, some pretty big matches coming up. Yeah, matches coming up that are going to be pretty important, and they actually play three times this week, so it's going to be uh, kind of uh, – Big stretch here for women's volleyball, so stay tuned for that in our mm-hmm. last segment. Men's and women's cross country. Meanwhile, both teams competed at the Augustana Interregional Invitational, hosted by Augustana at Saki Golf Course in Rock Island, Illinois, on Saturday. Men placed 20th as a team. Actually, both teams placed 20th. But the men placed 20th with a team score of 577. They were led by Derek Moe, who posted a time of 26.02 seconds, 26 minutes and .02 seconds in the men's 8K, while the women with their 20th place finish, had a team score of 646. They were paced by Nicole Koski, who finished with a time of 25 minutes, 19.7 seconds. Derek Moe, ninth fastest time in school history. Yep, yep, that's correct. Ninth fastest time ever, and that's an 8K race. So mm-hmm. 
Um, it's not a short race. No. 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 So. I, I don't think I could. <laughs> I couldn't do it. No. No way. I can walk it, but. Yeah, I'm not going to Really run good it. shot. I'm not going to run that. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, but all in all, like you said, a very, very good week for everybody. Very, very good week for the, the Yellow Jacket sports teams. And it's uh, it's coming at the right time because all it these is. teams are getting into conference championship season or conference tournament season. So, I feel like all these teams are finding their stride and playing good at the right time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's playing good. Playing well. Playing well. Nice grammar. Job. They're playing good soccer and good volleyball at the right time. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not going to make a comment on your grammar. I'm no, worse, I, so. I caught it myself. You know what? But, uh, you know, we have a good chance of having perhaps two NCAA tournament teams here coming up if things knock on wood go go right. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the next couple of weeks are going to be fun. We'll see uh, where it takes us here. It's going to be fun. And, of course, winter sports crank up too. Yep. You know, correct. We've got, I think, you know. Men's hockey has an exhibition on the 30th. Well, no, that's a real game. That's an actual game. That's oh, the okay. season opener. No, they they had their scrimmage with St. Scholastic on Saturday. That also had an edge to it, I hear. It definitely had an edge to it. Yeah, you know, and that's a team that he could potentially play three times in the regular season as well. Right. Because yeah. they are having a home and home during the year, and they're in the um, Spirit Showdown. Okay. So he could see the Saints three times during the regular season. Ooh. And, you know, I, rekindling I, the rivalry I feel like just going into opening night that the – the pot is on the burner already. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's not going to take long for that thing to start boiling. Right. So it could make for some really interesting matchups during the regular season. Well, women's hockey is playing them tonight. We'll talk more about this. They yeah, but tonight, them tonight in an exhibition. That's, that is an exhibition yep. game. But wow. Uh, yeah, we could be seeing a lot of St. Scholastica here. And yeah. So you've, you've got the hockey's getting underway next weekend officially, and then basketball the week, at, week after that. So it's going to be some really. Plus, you've got the, the whole playoff week and everything. I mean, we can talk about that in the in the final segment. But my goodness, this is going to be a, this is going to be quite a stretch. It is, it's gonna be and it's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, so. I am too. So should be a lot of fun. But uh, coming up next on Eye of the Swarm, our, our guests are going to be joining us, and uh, their season over until we get to spring and, and things can get rekindled. There, we are going to have head coach Paul Eberhart of the Yellow Jacket men's and women's golf teams, as well as freshman Bryce Burris from the women's team. So we can talk a little bit about the 2021 season and the uh, the most compressed season in college sports because those <laughs> they in about six weeks, if I feel like they, they compete almost every single day, and then it's just over. Yeah, pretty much. That's exactly <laughs> what happens. I mean, it's crazy because they play literally every week, it, it, and they're well, playing sometimes two and three times a week. Right. Yeah, so you it's know, like, I mean, there, there's days in the, in the month of September, there's weeks where they go to school twice. Yeah. And everything else, they're playing golf. So uh, you know, and sometimes those those events, those are like two two and three day events. It's right. not just like we play one day here, one day. No, no, some of these are two or three day like actual tournaments. So at different locations, right? So, so there's a lot of golf that's played. There's in a, a very lot short of golf of that's played in a very short time, and I'm jealous of that because I wish I could play that much golf in a very short time. But that's a whole other podcast segment. At any rate, Coach Ebert Hart and Bryce Burris are going to be joining us here in the next segment. So we'll take a time out and come back with our roundtable right after this. You're listening to I Have the Swarm. Can I borrow the sports page? Are we sure we're ready for this expansion? Of course we're ready for it. It's a great idea. Let's celebrate with a vacation. I'm thinking (laughs) Hawaii. We're ready for you. Is it okay if my friend comes with? Of course. Imagination's always welcome here. 
bring us your best ideas. Let's see how we can help. National Bank of Commerce. Imaginations welcome. We're back on Eye of the Swarm, and we have the distinct pleasure to be joined by the Yellow Jacket golf coach, Paul Eberhardt, along with one of his freshmen on the women's side, Bryce Burris, who uh, gave us uh, an education on things that are and are not great about North Dakota prior to us going on the air. Maybe we'll touch a little bit on that. Maybe we won't and uh, get our opinions on birds as well. Who knows? But uh, at any rate, before we dive into all of that, (laughs) I'm glad you're chuckling about it. All right. Before we dive into all that, we should talk a little bit of golf here because... uh, we, we commented in the opening segment, Coach, about I don't think it's the most unique season, I think, of any sport because it's you're going lights out for six weeks. I feel like you're playing every single day for six weeks. These student athletes don't ever go to class for six weeks, and then all of a sudden it's done, just like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in it, when I first took over, um, I would say, it, it, honestly, it was worse because we played – more midweek things. And um, as I got into it and got a little bit more experience, I tried to schedule mostly just weekend stuff. So it was Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday, or Saturday, Friday, Sunday. Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, we'll have a couple midweek, but for the most part, it's, you know, you're going to miss a lot of Friday class or, or Monday class, depending on the situation. Um, but as a whole, it's a... Um, it is super short, six weeks, basically. It's a sprint. Um, the good part of it for us is that it's in the fall, so our golfers have all played most of the summer. So it's not like we're, you know, you're coming in off of a layoff. Um, so that's that's a huge piece of it, too. The, I think, honestly, it would be worse for us if our championships and things were in the spring where we're, you know, trying to force to get ready for, in a short period where we don't have, you know, we can't get outside and some of those things. So for us, um, that six weeks is goes by pretty fast and it's a, um, it is a sprint, not a marathon in that case. So. And it, it, we, we've talked about it before, but for some listeners who might be new, we'll bring it up again, but it's, it, it's the uniqueness of the six week sprint, the six month layoff. And then suddenly you're going to try to play again in the spring and get prepared for a national tournament it's it's unique, obviously, to the colder climate schools because you can't play during a lot of those months, whereas in the South they are playing year-round. But it's it's so unique that you play all those matches, all those tournaments early, have that long layoff, and now we have to try, in your case, the last few years, get ready for a national tournament. That's difficult. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, last year especially with, you know, no spring break trip because of COVID-19 and some other things, some travel limitations, um, we typically probably would have played um, a couple more events where we would have been overnight and, and done a couple things like that last year to try to get ready. But literally, you know, depends on the weather. We may not get outside until the, you know, the first or second week of April. And that's if we're lucky up here, you know. And so last year, I think our first tournament was the first weekend in April and we had to go to Waverly, Iowa. Um, Oh, the cornfield with the wind! Yeah, that was a that was a that was a fun experience. We heard a lot about that one. And then uh, from there, you know, your nationals is uh, a month away, five you know five weeks away to get ready. Um, you know, and again, luckily we have an indoor launch monitor and some things like that that uh, help us so that 
they can hit balls. But, you know, even if you get a spring break trip, that spring break trip's in March. You come back and you still have a month probably before you can get outside. So that's a um, distinct disadvantage for all of us that are in the north. Um, and, again, that's, you know, it's not something you can dwell on because it's not something you can fix. Um, you know, we're not instantly going to be able to change our climate. And, you know, so that part of it is – um, why we load up in the fall is because we get more of our opportunities to get out and play. Um, and then you take what you can get in the spring, basically. Let's talk a little bit about the fall season because the, the six weeks ended here a couple of weeks ago and uh, end up first on the men's side, third place finish. A, a different year because you had won three years in a row and had you know qualified for the NCAA tournament that way. But a little different this year because you don't have the Ryans and the Joeys to lean on. So it was a little bit of a transition for that group, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you lose. Um, I mean, you look at statistically probably arguably two of the best ever in UMAC history. Um, and you, for me, it was a situation where I knew going in that I had two guys that were probably as good or better than anybody else on, in the league. And if our other two or three guys could play fairly average or good golf, we're in good shape where now you take both of those guys out of the lineup at the same time. Um, it just puts more pressure on. Um, and the margin of error has gotten smaller because everybody else has gotten better besides. So, um, you know, actually going into the tournament, we had the second highest or second lowest scoring average. Um, North central scoring average was actually, uh, like a point and a half better than ours. Um, and so it's, you know, they have gotten way better over the last couple of years. Um, you know, Bethany this year had, I think, four seniors out of their top five. So they um, had a veteran group that had been around and been through it. And we rolled out, you know, a senior, two sophomores and two freshmen. Mm -hmm. So um, that's that difference, though it doesn't seem like it would make a big deal in something like golf, um, still does make a big deal because those people have been through – um, multiple conference tournaments. I mean, we had uh, three of our five guys that had never been at a conference tournament before. And so um, that's something that uh, that pressure having played in, you know, a regular tournament is one thing, but then you go to a conference tournament and that pressure ramps up a whole nother level. Um, you know, you get a little bit of a four footer and it's a little more of a knee knocker with the conference <laughs> title rolling on it than it is if you're just playing a, you know, a, a regular tournament round. Um, and of course, the there sometimes they decide to put pins in difficult, more difficult spots and things like that because of the championships. So, um, as a whole, I'm I mean I'm a little bit I would say a little disappointed in our, our finish on the men's side, but I think um, we're well poised. Our depth is um, better than anybody else in the league for sure, um, and I think that we've proven that with you know we take two groups to a lot of tournaments and. When your top group is beating a lot, of, or your second group is beating a lot of the other groups, teams A groups, you know you've got good depth. And um, reality, it took me until the last week to figure out who was going actually going to the conference tournament for us because of the margin of difference between really I had three other guys that were um, all in on the same basic scoring average. So it was super difficult to try to decide who who should go and who who shouldn't and um, for sure was my hardest year in making that decision so but encouraged about some of those young guys oh for sure so 
I would let's say, talk a little bit about that because it, it bodes well for where the things are going to go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have, um, I think we had six freshmen, seven freshmen, probably, I think seven freshmen. Um, and at some point, I think all of them could get into the mix where they are um, a key piece of what we do. Um, you know, this year, um, Sam Frazee kind of established himself early on with his play. Um, Connor Willard um, played really well, and both of those guys played at the conference tournament for us as freshmen. And Ian Bundy was super close. Um, he was one of the guys that was right in the mix. Um, and he had some good rounds early and then had some issues with his putter and didn't uh, putt well down the stretch. And so he, he fell off a little bit down the stretch. But um, others, you know, we've had – I really, really enjoy – I like our freshman group, and I think they will be um, – the group that you build off of for the next hopefully three more years so and you, you've kind of got the youth being served on the women's side too yeah because absolutely. that's a, a young group there as well yeah i mean we rolled out three freshmen at the for the women this year so um we actually a senior a sophomore and three freshmen so that's um and i think that's a positive as well um been beating the bushes like crazy on the women's side from a recruitment standpoint because um, I would like to have better depth there and just more um, of some inner inner squad challenge stuff where it's you're not set on a um, lineup that they have to go out and earn it week to week and make it so it's more competitive. Um, so we've been uh, myself and Caitlin Zenner, our assistant, have been working hard. Wisconsin women play their um, golf in the fall, so we've. Uh, focus mostly on the Wisconsin side right now because they're the ones that have just finished playing. They had their state tournament the same, um, well, a couple days after our conference tournament was the Wisconsin state tournament. So um, focusing on some girls that are on the Wisconsin side and see if we can't uh, have a couple that'll join the fold. One of those freshmen that came in is the young lady sitting here. And I remember you coming in when you got the commitment from her saying, okay, this is a this is a building block. This is this is somebody that's going to be very, very good for us. What did you see in her? Well, uh, and to be honest, because she's from East Grand Forks, I had not seen her play live. But when you see some of the scores and when she came to visit, um, I instantly liked her as far as her personality, um, the fact that she had worked at a golf course, worked at a golf shop. Um, you knew that golf was in her blood, basically, and that was a situation where most of our guys are have that mindset that they work at a golf course or they do something related to golf in the summer. Um, we've had very few of our women that do that. And so I knew that um, if I have one that's that has that, we are in good shape because she's – golf is one of those things that I think the more you're around it, um, the more you have opportunities to improve. And whether it's, you know, even helping someone with club fitting at a – um, golf shop that requires some level of thought process that deals with golf, and I think that, those are all positive things. Whether you're um, deal, you know, if you're working in the pro shop at a golf course, that helps you understand um, so many other different things. Just from your personality, how to manage a golf course and how to manage people and how to, you know, it helps you understand, um, uh, you know how to separate and compartmentalize certain things, you know, yeah, I made a bad shot. Well, yeah, but 
there's all sorts of different things you can do with that and compartmentalize. And I think that's, a, that's a good thing. So when I, when she came to visit, I was super excited. Um, and, um, that she had a really good freshman year, um, was an all conference honorable mention player as a freshman, um, got better as the year got on. And in all honesty, her, I think she felt more comfortable. Um, I like to pick on her so that she gets mad at me cause mm-hmm. I like to pick on her a little bit, but, uh, um, that's, uh, I think she's, um, definitely someone to build off of. And I think that that's, um, played in our number two spot all year and, and we're super lucky to have her here. Which golf course you work at? Kingswalk? Valley. Valley? East Grand Forks. I've pl- yep. played Valley a few times when I lived out there, so yep, I'm, then, I'm familiar. Yep, then the golf center as well, the store in Grand Forks off of Columbia. Yeah, so I think that's what kind of, I mean, I lived on and worked on a golf course like the last six years of my life, and then the last three years also worked at a golf shop. So I was around a lot of it for a very long time. I did a lot, I think ever since I was a kid, golf lessons and then turned into private lessons with a swing coach and just kind of getting everything down to like it should just start coming naturally. And then I started giving lessons and then I also started club fitting, club fixing, stuff like that at um, the golf shop. And with club fitting, it kind of like opens your mind that different dimension of how to look at golf rather than just like oh, I keep topping the ball, this isn't working. It's more of like, a, I'm going to look at this from a couple different perspectives and see how I could just minorly tweak without absolutely ruining a swing and trying to start all over. And that's one thing I did notice with the girls this year is once we all kind of got more comfortable with each other, it was like, hey, you want to look at this quick or see if you could... I guess, help me out on this, or my drive is going this way, or it's pretty low, could you look at it? And some of the older girls, I was able to help a little bit, and it was really nice. I mean, just having that different experience from everybody else with golf, I mean, from a young age, that's kind of all I've known is golf, and I absolutely love it, and it's kind of a passion I have. So any way I could help the team was kind of what I was there for. It seems like you're a lifer. Where did the first taste come from? Was it mom and dad golfed? Was it the yeah. house was across the street and the balls kept landing in our front yard? <laughs> and where did it come from? Yeah, um, as a kid, um, my dad golfed a lot. He would do like a Tuesday men's night. So it always like, oh, he's out golfing. Um, and then on the weekends, it was kind of like, hey, let's go hit the course. We'll go to the range. We'll go play a few holes, this or that. Um, so it started out pretty young age and I did like the community ed golf lessons as a kid, um, did those for a couple of years. And then I think once it was sort of time where I started approaching that, like, well, you could play for the school now. Um, I, once I got to that age, it's kind of like, well, I should probably get a little bit more serious with this. And once my family and I had moved out onto a golf course, it was every day in the summer, either if I was working, I would play before I worked and then I would go to work. And then if there was still daylight, you catch me on the putting green out on the range. I, I think for at least four summers, I'd say I spent from morning till evening golfing as much as I could. Uh, that's all I did with my time before I really started getting serious into working and, that's all I did. I basically would, I'd make my friends, they hated me for this, but I would make my friends come out and play with me just to record me so that I could play back my <laughs> swings and I would tweak every little thing in my swing and I'd go up to my coach. I'd say, okay, so look at this. So I'm doing this right here. So I need to fix it. And he's like, why do you, why do you ask me? He's like, you know what you need to fix? Just go out and do it. So I would bring a bunch of my friends. I would let them golf with me, but I'd also say, if you're going to golf with me, you got to record me because I need to see what I'm doing. So I was able just to nitpick everything almost to like a science to where I could just get the swing in the way I wanted it to. Well, and that's, I mean, honestly, 
you don't hear that very often from no, a freshman coming in. That's just say. We're, we're both kind of like smiling because it's like golf is really a game of tweaks, right? I mean, it, when you get right down to it, it's a small adjustment here and there. It's not like you know, baseball and softball are kind of like that too, where you don't want to have to remake somebody's complete swing. Otherwise, you're gonna who knows what's gonna happen with the ball after that. But it's rare for me and John, and I think probably for Eb too, to have a freshman that is so dialed in on mechanics like that in those tweaks. It's really interesting. Like I, 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 I kind of wanted to just keep talking about this right. because it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think Eb's heard enough of me. One day, I we were in <laughs> Illinois, and I'd actually the first day of the tournament got seven holes through and was walking down the backside of a green and rolled my ankle, and it just swelled right over the top of my shoe. Was not able to. I Tony Finaud myself basically. <laughs> so that's what I did. I got bullied that whole weekend and for weeks after. But what? yep, so <laughs> rolled, rolled the ankles. Very athletic move on my behalf. Um, I finished out the nine and then I could not, I tried teen off on seven or on 10 and just about fell over. It was pretty painful. So then the next day I got to ride with Ebbs the <laughs> entire day. This is like a five hour round of just sitting on a cart with that man. Oh my Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that that's a thing to do though. I've heard that that's like, I've heard some interesting like talks though about riding around with Eb on a golf cart. So oh, <laughs> he cannot drive. Let's just say that. Oh, oh. <laughs> Wow. Oh, wow. It, was, it was some driving. Either you tap on the brake, you would get off, and the cart would just start rolling. Like, Ebs, you got to push the brake down all the way. <laughs> <You got> no <laughs> wonder you pick on her. She picks on you, too. <laughs> I know. We give it back to It each goes other. both ways. <laughs> but I, yeah, when I would um, sit in the cart, and I, there was a point to myself where I was just like, holy man, he's got to be irritated by this point. Because I was just like, you see that girl swing? She's doing a forward press in her hand. She doesn't need to do that. Or it's just like, you see her tempo's off. That's why she can't get a good grasp on the ball. It was just nitpicking every little thing I could see. And then he was just like, you know a lot about golf, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) Future coach over there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, holy cow. Is some of that self-taught? I mean, obviously it's because you've been filming yourself and everything. But, you know, did your coaches point a lot of that out to you that you just kind of put in the memory bank or did you teach all that to yourself um a lot of it was um I'd say from a pretty young age the only thing I'd watch on tv was pga tour or anything revolving the golf channel it never left my tv um and then I had like a a little swing area putting mat in my room wasn't your typical teenage (laughs) girl room that's for sure it was uh I had a putting green in there a little putting green that I made out of some turf and everything and I would practice for hours if it like rainy day or was too poor to play golf outside I was playing golf inside (laughs) so a lot of it was just like maybe my coach would say something (laughs) I know this is awesome this is like the best thing ever my coach would maybe say something and do it kind of just go into the back of my brain I mean I can't remember anything else schooling nothing if it if it's golf then I got it I got it (laughs) I love the fact too that Eb is smiling through all of this over here and he's just like yep she's going now like there she goes (laughs) yeah (laughs) not much else I can say that's Born coach. Yeah. I mean, I think in that, again, when those are the things that I would say when she came to visit, I was like, yep, this is, this is what we're looking for. This is a, this is a building block because it was a piece that I knew she loved golf. And, um, that was, um, I mean, the minute I was done, I, I mean, if she came in and her scores were worse than they were, I probably still would have taken her because I knew that there was opportunity for her to develop and improve where, um, 
and if you asked her, I bet she would tell you she was disappointed with her freshman year um, and that she could have played better um, because that's just how critical she is of herself. Um, and so um, I, I think that uh, I think she had a good freshman year, um, and, but she knows there's much room for improvement there and she can go much lower on a regular basis than she did this year. And I think that that's the piece that hopefully um, this year has motivated her to um, take that next step because I think that's the piece where um, she can really do that for us and uh, help us build even farther and better on the women's side for sure. Well, here's a question, and this is one I haven't – I didn't really ask Sam and Joey when we had them on last year, and I didn't ask Joey the first time we had them on either. But that transition from the high school level of golf to the college level, is it more grueling? Like how would you assess that change? going from high school well, to college. I'm glad you said that, too, because that was going to be, like, my next question was that transition. Right, yeah. You know, because you, you come from a basketball world. I come from a hockey world. And it's in those two sports, there's a jump. You know, you can do the the game moves faster. Everybody's bigger. They're stronger. They're quicker and all of that. Golf is different because it is more individualized, I guess, is the word I would use. So I'm curious on the, the adjustment from high school to college and, and what you saw as differences right there definitely was a difference um I guess for me going from high school I got I mean I had played varsity since about the end of seventh grade all the way through my senior year of high school I was on the varsity team and I mean I got used it was the same courses over and over sections was the same course like in Bemidji and our all of our tournament that they were all just same courses same courses you got used to the tees are going to be here bet you the pins will be here it, it got to be repetitive, and you got really used to it. You played short courses, nothing else. And then um, I guess to get myself kind of ready for that transition, I knew the courses were going to be many and plenty of yards further that I would try and be hit. So during the summers, what I would do is any like any time I had my swing coach with her, like our local golf pro that would be in our pro shop all the time, or some of the guys that I worked with at the golf course, we all loved golfing. So to challenge myself, basically, I would say, let me play with you guys and I'll play from the tips or I'll play from the men's tees. And that I think is, was my first start to, wow, this is going to be a change. And so any, I mean, I think the only time I ever really did hit from the reds or for say the women's tees was during golf meets. Otherwise I was constantly practicing from further tees. I was practicing longer shots, longer chips, putting from distances that were, honestly unreal <laughs> I think it was just a lot of um preparing myself for playing much longer and another thing was definitely um the mental game I mean with high school it's kind of just like it won't be the end of the world I mean it's not gonna destroy you if you don't do well but it's definitely something you want to and I think during high school my issue was was I am very critical of myself because I know I can play well and I think one thing I just did was it was like why aren't you doing better and I think over the summer um, playing from the tips, playing with all like the guys from the course. It was just kind of more of like a, let's get you relaxed, let's get, let's get you hitting further. And that's what I focused on. And then once I got here, I was kind of like, wow, I'm very ready for this and I'm very ready to take on these courses in this season. And that's what I did. I, as soon as I got out there, yeah, I would get upset at myself, but it would kind of just be like, why'd you hit a shot like that? And then I just kind of <laughs> laugh it off. Like I kind of look at it like, how did you manage to hit it like that? I was like, well, you got a recovery to give yourself now. So <laughs> it was kind of just like uh, learning to brush it off. And 
I think Ebs realized that too once you come up to me on the course be like how are you doing I'm like ah it's okay <laughs> it kind of be more of a brushing it off rather than getting mad because I mean the more mad you get just the progressively you plummet you just plummet oh don't I know there's oh, no yeah. there's yeah. no recovering from getting mad I mean some like some of the girls that I used to golf with in high school I mean they would just shut down and I'm just like you can't you I would always try to be that positive person like you can't do that come on let's pick it up like and I think that's how I've kind of like learned to stick it with myself is like you got to stay positive if if you're not you're not going anywhere you will continue that downward plummet to your next meet. You're going to carry that with you through practice. If you sit there, I can't hit the ball. I don't want to be here. I'd rather quit. Then do it. Like it's not gonna, it's not gonna, it's not gonna benefit you if you just sit there with that negative mindset. And that was just probably my biggest thing was just mentally preparing myself. I mean, like you got this. You can do it. You're in college now. This is this is all you got. Just give it 100%. And that's what I did. And I am I am proud of my season. I know I could have done a lot better, but I am proud of it. And I would not take it back for anything. I had a great experience and I cannot wait for the following years. Well, the margins in college too, I assume, are probably between being a good player and not being a good player are so much like closer mm-hmm. than what you might see in high school. Because high school teams, you know, they'll have two, maybe three really good players. And then it kind of drops off from there. In college, you're going to get, you know, usually one through five. It's going to be tough. Like the difference between, you know, being up on the leaderboard and further down, you know, on the leaderboard depends maybe on one shot here or one shot there. And that's probably the hardest part would be for me mentally is to know, geez, I just dropped another shot on that hole. Now I got like 13 more holes to go. I can't afford to, you know, that's that mental part of the game. And that's something that we heard about from Joey that he worked on a lot. And that that's a big part, I think, of college golf, it seems like, is just being able to put that behind you, like you said, Bryce, keeping your, your head in the game. Mm-hmm. That's Don't what, say, like, yeah. I, I biffed that hole, but I've still got another nine holes to play. That's one thing you know? I really got used to is, like, I mean, you hit a bad hole, it's like, yep, that one sucked, let's go <laughs> to the next one. That's kind of the mentality. I walk up to the tee box and I'm like, kind of look at my bag, like, now, what could we do with this hole? So it's like, you know what? I'm just going to smack a ball right out there and we're going to recover. As there's, I mean, and even if you don't recover on that hole, you've always got more. It's not like you just, nope, quit, done. It's it's such like a mental, let's figure this out. Let's do it. It's more of you got to keep yourself relaxed. And I guess with me, it's kind of just like as soon as I can tell, I'm starting to get agitated with the way I'm playing. It's kind of like a let's take a step back and just focus. Uh, That's definitely one thing um, that I was able to kind of comprehend and get down well this year was I would kind of get agitated, go to my next ball. I'm like, I'm just going to hit this out, see where it goes. And that was kind of one thing I learned to just put the bag down, take a step back, look at your ball, picture the shot. And it's just like, you need to relax and think about what you're going to do before you just Go up to the ball, hit it because you're over it, you're tired, you don't want to deal with the hole, it's not fun anymore. It's more of just like um, take a minute, look at it, analyze. you got to figure it out first before you just constantly coming up and hitting it because that won't do you any good. Do you have to rein that in a little bit sometimes? Because when you get somebody that is very critical of themselves, you know, there are the times where you're cruising around in the cart and go, okay, the, the lug nuts are a little loose here. Oh yeah, I, I, I would, and we have to we got to rein her in a little bit. Yeah, and I think that that's probably and, I, and again, I think a lot of people would say, well, what does a golf coach really do? And I would tell you, I spend more of my time um, 
observing and doing those types of things than, than anything else um, where you you watch somebody's body mechanics, you watch their mannerisms, you look at, um, you know, body language tells you a ton. And, um, you know, I, I, would tell, I would probably the one that gave me the best handle on this was probably Joey because he had a tendency when things went badly to um, turn his hat around backwards um, and then he'd get really goofy. Uh, he'd start, you know, he'd draw something on one of his golf balls or so, I mean, just stuff that was outside of a normal behavior for him. And I always knew that things were going a little haywire for him when you um, saw something outside of the norm. And it was uh, my chance or my opportunity to go in and, um, you know, spend a hole or two with him and try to calm him down and get him either talking about it or, you know, to try to at least think about something else rather than dwelling on a poor performance and um uh, having him and and ryan both i think made me a better golf coach because i had the opportunity to um and i love i love joy but joey as a freshman at times was a hot mess and um oh he flat out told us that oh, yeah. yeah yeah he said that on the podcast he's like my freshman year i was all over the place yeah. and he was and and as a he grew every year, and because of that, um, I as a coach grew with him, I think, in some regards. And so, um, you know, she brings a new perspective with someone who, as a freshman, comes in with a pretty good head uh, for the most part. Um, I think we had a couple, couple, couple incidents this year maybe, but that's for a freshman, that's very few in number. What I, um, you know – I would say based on other teammates of hers, she's one of the ones that's more calm uh, on the golf course. So it's um, she's not someone I have to go out and necessarily babysit on the golf course because I don't – she's – A, she probably would get annoyed be, with me being there, and two, I don't necessarily worry about her um, melting down because she does have a good head. She doesn't dwell on the negatives. Um, and I think that's part of what makes her a good player is that she doesn't. She can she can regroup and she's you know she go out and makes a bogey or a double. She can come back and she's like, oh, I'm gonna make par on the next one. Well, yeah, that's the right attitude. I, mean, I did that so many times this year. <laughs> <laughs> I would double hole and like watch the steps. I'm gonna par the next one, and I would because and he wouldn't. would come back. I'd be like, I parred that one. I told you I was going to. I was like in high school too. I mean, whenever my coach would come, she'd be like, you good? I'd be like, yep. And they leave because I, I don't, I don't think spending time talking to the coaches is really gonna, not necessarily wouldn't say benefit me, but I I don't feel as though it's necessary for my well being. If my teammates need it more, go right ahead. That doesn't bug me whatsoever. If I if I don't even see my coach on the course, it does not bug me because I just I keep that positive headspace. So I'm not like I need somebody to talk to, and I I'm very social, so I tend to just talk to the girls that I end up playing with and. Honestly, it just keeps me in that right mind space. I don't like feel like I need to depend on a coach to make me feel better if I am hitting a bad shot. I think the most steps would be, you good? Are you hungry? Yep. I grab a sandwich and he'd take <laughs> off. <laughs> just about that was my job. <laughs> Bring me sandwiches and Gatorade and I'm good. <laughs> well, that is so rare, though, for athletes, especially the young ones that come in. And I, I, we keep harping on this, or I keep harping on it. But for a freshman to come in and have that mature of a stance toward it, because it's, I mean, and Coach Ebb, you know from, you and I work together in basketball. When you have a freshman athlete sometimes and things aren't going well, they do tend to have a tendency to meltdown. Like, they do have those moments where it's just like, okay, 
need to take a step back and take a deep breath. But you know, with Bryce, it seems like she's just very analytical and very self-aware of what's going on with her self, and that's and that's I would very s- mature. I would say there is a difference with golf than, and I'll use basketball because that's the other sport I know that um, the mental approach. If you get to this level. Um, you better be able to deal with things well mentally, at least at some level, because um, golf is a mean game. Um, it can bite you very, very quickly. Where um, uh, yes, it can. Yeah, I mean, and we've all played. <laughs> it doesn't so take much right, to destroy yeah. you mentally. No, I mean, you can be two under, and then all of a sudden you take a double or a triple, and you're like, I just, I just screwed my whole round. You're, you're, you know, so it's. Um, so I would say golf, I've noticed that golfers in general probably um, maybe not off the course, but on the course have a tendency to be more mature uh, than I would say many other athletes or how they handle their sport um, just because golf in general is is forces you to do that to get to a high level. Um, so I, I do think she's atypical in that she is probably farther advanced than a lot of others, but I would say that um, golfers in general, I have noticed, are more, um, I don't know, mentally prepared for this grind than, say, a college basketball versus high school basketball. There's a huge difference. Oh, yeah. And the differences in golf are more about yardage, and um, the courses are probably a little nicer and <clears throat> tougher, um, so that makes things a little harder. But it's not that your opponents are necessarily um, they're Yeah. They're all better across the board, but it's not like they're going to out to try to smash your face in or, you know, hit you with a forearm to rebound and you're a weak little freshman. So that a lot of it has less to do with the physicality of it or things like that, that, you know, most of the rest of the sports would. Um, I mean, imagine a 18 year old coming in and trying to play ice hockey versus a 22 year old. That's been at, you know, been out playing juniors. There's a huge difference there. Um, just from a physicality standpoint, not only the mental standpoint. Right. And I think that that's, that's the difference between <clears throat> say a golfer versus a most every other sport. Well, and here's a question for Bryce. Was it just golf? Did you only play golf growing up or did you play any other sports? Um, I played volleyball as well. Um, honestly with volleyball, that was kind of just like a, for a while, just kind of keep me in shape, keep in touch with friends. Uh, the volleyball coach was actually my golf coach as well, so it's kind of like a, she'd be like, oh, no, keep playing. And then okay. I, I got to a point where I was like, you know, I'm not coordinated enough for this. <laughs> I had rolled my ankle twice playing volleyball, and I was like, you know what? I'm done with it. I'd rather just focus on golf. There's three references in this to the, the rolled ankle, so your poor ankles. It's just the one. It's just the one <laughs> that keeps rolling. One. It's the same one. You have that one loose ankle? Yeah. Because just... I, had a, I had a high school teammate who also had a loose ankle, and he, he got to the point he sprained it so much, and he was also a golfer, where he, like, he could actually like bend it all the way over, and it just kind of grossed me out. <laughs> By the, end yeah. the ligaments got so like loose in there that he could just like roll it over, and it's like, oh, that's horrible. Yep. But anyway, keep on going. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Oh, no, you're fine. I think it was, yeah, I mean, once I volleyball was in the fall, golf was in, like, Minnesota golf in the spring, obviously. So um, it was kind of just like, you know, this is taking up time that I could just be playing golf. And I, it was just kind of like with volleyball, I'd get done with practice. They would absolutely drill us in practice, and then I'd be like, 
yep, I'm going to bed. And I wouldn't have any energy to golf, maybe on the weekend. So I was like, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm, I'd rather play golf because I think from the very beginning standpoint of playing golf, it was, I will do this in college. That was the mindset. And that was where I was at. So I was like, you know what? There's no use in keeping doing this. So I then took up weight and strength training, so weightlifting and then a lot of like cardio exercise runnings to keep myself in pretty balanced shape and that also that benefited my golf game incredibly. It was I was hitting the ball yards further than I was ever before. And I think focusing more on that, it was it was game changing. Basically, it was when really the mindset really kicked in was like, I'm I'm going somewhere with this. I'm that was my 100% is what I was committed to. I feel like I need to have you talk to my wife just because I, I tell her I'd, I'd be thrilled if I could play every day. I would oh, love to play 100%. golf every single day, and she just doesn't understand that at all. She says, That's, it must be a guy thing. It's not. No. <laughs> no. This is the no. proof. It's no. a golf thing. It's a golf thing. I mean, yeah. you, can, you can fall in love with it, and then it becomes sort of a path. I mean, I have – it's – I mean, I, I mowed a little hitting area in my field so that I can hit balls at home. Um, <laughs> just so that, because it's, you know, for me, if I can go hit five balls, it's a stress reliever and right. it's something that you can do to, and then, you know, you shank one and you're like, oh, I got to hit three more and then you go. Yep. Um, so it's, but it's a situation where I, I think that's, that's golf. If you love that, I love golf that it, for a lot of us, I think golf is a, you know, especially us weekend hackers that it's a, it's a relief. It's a stress reliever. It's a, and which is crazy because golf is incredibly stressful. It is. But <laughs> even that stress is just different than your regular stress. And I think right. it helps you, uh, for a lot of adults, I think it helps us manage, you know, stress. Oh, there's you, something about, like, I, I like to play early in the morning. I, I love walking 18 by myself. 6:30 a.m. It's just you out there trying to figure out why you can't. Right. Why you're not very why good. Why this hole kills me every <laughs> single time. Why I'm not very good. Yeah. I'm, yeah, it's like a every morning thing for me. That definitely what it was. If I had a long like I did a lot of double shifts between there would be like the golf shop in the morning and then the course for closing. So I'd work like 12-hour days on the weekends of just golf. So I was like, well, I'm not going to get off till it's dark, so I'm going to play early in the morning. So I'd start my day off with golfing and then work. And then I guess once school started and there's still golfing, like where I could golf in the fall, it was always like a, I would get home when it would be dark and I would play as soon as I got home from school until dark. And it was always the same thing for my parents. Did you do your homework after school? <laughs> and it was like, a, uh, yeah, 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 I, did. Mm-hmm. I was just out Didn't playing. Have any today. But it was the same thing with my dad. I'd be like, well, I was out playing. He's like, oh, OK. And then with my mom, I was like, I was out playing. And she's like, no, do your homework. No. It was, or it'd be the, she would get home early from work and it would be a call, where are you? I'm like, uh, you can hear the wind blowing as I'm on the golf cart. She's like, Bryce, where are you? And I'm like, on the golf course. And it's like, get home, do your homework. She's like, you're not, she's like, you can't play college golf if you don't graduate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it definitely is that side to it as well. Absolutely. (laughs) Trying to find that balance though, because I was like that too at a certain point Mm -hmm. uh, when I played soccer and basketball as a kid I was one of those guys that was kind of obsessed with both of them and I was doing all of them all the both of them all the time and it got to the point where my mom would yell at me too so I can completely understand <laughs> yeah. you know you need to come in and get you keep your grades up because if you don't you're not going to be able to do anything anyway so <laughs> you know but hearing that kind of passion is something that we don't necessarily always appreciate I think 
because um, there was a story about that girl out of the Twin Cities that played in the U.S. Women's Open. Um, oh, jeez, I'm blanking on her name right now. Macaulay, I think. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. a junior in high school, yeah. right? I think so. But, like, her story is very similar to that and the fact that she just really committed to golf and mm-hmm. just kind of did it. And, um, yeah, she went to the U.S. Women's Senior Open as a 17-year-old. And it's kind of one of those, like I said, triumphs where she just kind of worked her way up, yeah. you know, and just kept playing. And But like you said, golf people are golf people. And she's another one that just is, you know, committed to the sport. And, uh, you know, you get that also from your former players. Like I said, uh, talking with either Ryan or Sam or, or Joey, they're all that way, were that way too, especially Joey. He's like, <laughs> yep. I'm out there. I was out there hitting balls all the time, especially my junior, senior year. He still works at the golf course. He still plays in tournaments. I mean, yep. that's the – Ryan, you know, Ryan does the same thing. They played in, you know, play in the Arrowhead. They play in the Northland Open. They played in the Masaba Open or whatever they call it. Um, and they're all playing in, you know, men's events now because it's part of what they do. It's like, I mean, it's part of their personality. That's um, what they do to have fun. And it's part of, you know, their friends are golfers and they hang out on the golf course. And right, yep. um, that's you know, I, I don't. That's know one that, of the beauties of it, though, too. Is that is. It, it's there's no expiration on it. It's a lifetime game. Yeah, and it's and it and it's incredibly social, um, which I think is you know, sometimes the PGA Tour, if you watch that, it looks stuffy and it's, but you know, most of the time golf is incredibly social and it's. Um, well, those guys all know each other too. And they, they play together. And they for talk years. to each yeah. other. I mean, it, there's certain guys that don't say anything or talk on the course, but even then, you know, if you watch any of the, like the Ryder Cup where it's a little bit more gamesmanship and a little bit more um sort of relaxed those guys are talking to you you know they're talking smack to each other they're you know they're um helping each other out talking about you know where do you want where should the shot be though i mean all those things are going on it's just that sometimes you don't as as the fan we don't get to see all that um it's an interesting thing to watch it too you know watching the pga tour those lpga or anything all those players know each other and they all see each other all the time yeah so it just becomes kind of part of the yeah yeah, exactly you know so you know, they run into each other everywhere they go, you know, because they're all playing the same tournaments and, you know, they all run into each other, you know, about nine months out of the year when they're when they're in season or doing whatever, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's like you said, golf is, is inherently a social game because you play in pairs, sometimes three or four if you're in a college tournament. And then it just, you know, so you see the same faces quite a bit and you get to know people from other teams, I'm sure, and stuff like that, too. Well, and it's funny because, I mean, you, you do get to know the other players very well and um, – Again, myself and and probably more even Coach Zenner, um, she's incredibly social too. So she talks to everyone, and um, I mean she has p- pictures on her Instagram of her with all the other players from the conference because she's the, like the second a coach that they all consider that because she spends more time with them than their own coach does. And right. so it's <laughs> it's um, you know and it's that's part of the game. It's it's. Uh, it's still supposed to be fun and it's yeah it's serious and you're supposed to go out and play well and but it, it's it's a like you mentioned it's a lifelong thing that we can all take with us and it's a shared experience it is a shared yeah. experience and, and that's part of what i love about it is that you know we we jump in a van and we drive to morris minnesota and you know i'm talking about things that have nothing to do with golf and it's you know i'm like yeah this is a super fun drive to morris minnesota but <laughs> It's, Cornfields, yay! <laughs> yeah, you know, but it, it, you actually get to develop a relationship because you're um, you're not just uh, you know. I think it's, that's part of the beauty of this game, especially as a as a coach, is that you get to you really do develop a relationship with your players because you have to 
if you and if you don't, um, they probably hate you because you spend time with them all the time. And they, you never say anything to them or whatever. So um, it's it. I think that that's part of the beauty of it for me, at least, is that um, you know. I, I mean, I talk to Ryan and Joey almost every week and they're both done. They're not, I mean, and it's just because they'll send me some stupid message or something and, you know, I'll see something that I see on the internet and I send them, the, send it to them. And it's, um, you know, that's the relationship you've built. And I think that that's part of the beauty of, of golf as a whole is that, that, that game and the fraternity is, is small and it's tight knit. And, um, I think that that's part of the best part of it, probably. Well, I'll let you know, I'm probably the only staff member on our campus that has a putting green in his office. So feel free to stop by if you <clears> want to <throat> work on your putting stroke during the winter. Door is almost always open. That's awesome. And he's got candies. Yeah, he's got candy dish. in there. I do have a candy dish. <laughs> My one request is next time you go home, I want a grinder from Red Pepper. Bring it back for me. I will gladly do that. <laughs> I miss that place so much. That was just When he told me he was recruiting you, I I, I brought did, up the red did. pepper. Oh my god, so <laughs> good. That was the first place we go to when we got done with rounds, especially the Saturday morning weekend rounds. Mm-hmm. We get done, it's like, all right, let's go get some red pepper. Mm-hmm. And we would sit there and we would probably red pepper is keep in mind, super, super cheap. Like dirt cheap, amazing food. I'd say we'd at least have about 35 to 50 dollars worth of red pepper and we'd all sit there and eat there for at least an hour yeah the grinder is the best sandwich in the world yeah it really is everything grinder (laughs) cheese estada put on top of that for the crunch Mm -hmm. it's beautiful i feel like you guys this is this is a cool part for me i don't know if it is for eb like we rarely talk about your north dakota days right and so now you've got something you can talk. I know, about. I, I do. Yeah. So I like. I kind of want to just listen to you two talk back and forth now <laughs> because I want to see if you guys have the same like shared experiences from your time in, in Grand Forks. We only needed one. It was the oh, red yeah. pepper. Well, there yeah, it is. Just, like, yeah. That's well. with anybody I try to talk to. I'm like, well, I guess. Well, I'm from Grand Forks. If you know where that is, and there's like a handful of kids that I met here so far, and I'm like, oh well, yeah, but I guess we played you in sports. But I'm from here, and it's like, like I guess like our hockey team went to the state tournament for a couple of years back to back. So like. There's a girl from Hermantown. I knew her because our teams are rivals when it comes to the state tournament. Like, so she's like, oh, yeah, I know where you're from. Or, like, there's a kid from Mankato. He's like, yeah, I know where you're from. It's mainly, like, you got to be within that, like, two-hour vicinity or everyone's like, you're from where? <laughs> you usually just right. say, yeah. it's right by North Dakota. And they're like, oh. oh sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry about that. Well, and, and this is where, again, we talked about this before we went on, but the whole concept of snurt. Yes. Yep. Which I, you know, me and Eb were not totally familiar with that phrase, but you two both are. And the first time you brought it up to me, I kind of laughed because then I just kind of did the, oh yeah, that's a, I could see that being a thing out there. Oh, I'm familiar with snurt. I just didn't know what snurt was until <laughs> you know there was an actual name for it. I didn't know there was an actual name for it, but I'm having lived in Wyoming and South Dakota, I am very familiar with snurt. Yeah, because there are snurt storms out there too. I'm sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So that, that's that's what's kind of. Because the first time you said, well, I, there were snort storms, and I was like, snort storm. <laughs> and then, because uh, a snort sounds like some kind of a cartoon character. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, 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 no, then he explained it, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I could definitely see that happening out there. So, yep. <laughs> so know. that's your mission. Bring a grinder back for me. I will gladly do that. <laughs> that will be my top priority mission. It doesn't have to back. be your top priority, just don't don't forget. It, it definitely, it's, it's got to be. I mean, it's red pepper. Fair. I you mean, know what, though? Her face just lit up when you said that. I know. Yeah. Like, that was, you could tell this was going somewhere, and she was going to definitely You'd be, be hard-pressed like, yeah, yeah. to find anybody in the Grand Cities that doesn't 
have an affinity for the red pepper. Yep. I, I honestly, I well, don't where's think... this place located? I you know my like old... You know, you know my affection for food. Yes. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm sitting here going, bring two. Yeah, like, I'm like, <laughs> I need to go to. Grand I'm just Forks gonna have to bring a load out to Grand Forks and find a because well, this is why you, I'm because you can because... get the the mail the kit to mail to you. Yeah. They have the mail kits where they'll send you the sandwich kit, but it's not the same. No, not even because we did that once. I'm like, yeah, this just isn't right. It's got to be made there. Yep. That's kind of how I feel about Matt's Bar and the Juicy Lucy. Mm-hmm. Like you it's got to be made there. Just, you have to go and do it. Like You can't just <laughs> send me a Juicy Lucy. It's like, no, don't do that. <laughs> go there and get it. <laughs> like you know. But where is this place located? This, I'm curious now. because this... It's basically like, um, I think it's been voted besides like Deke's Pizza. Mm-hmm. Oh, that place is amazing. They don't have pizza like that around here. No. No, you can't just, it's like a Look local Paul, pizza place. <laughs> yeah. It is It is amazing. The best local pizza place. It's here, and, or it's in Grand Forks and in Fargo. The one in Fargo isn't as good. You ignore that one. It's, the Grand Forks one is where it's at. And they're open till like 4 a.m. So, I mean, you just call, and they're quick, and their pizzas are huge. They're delicious. They're, and there is no such thing as that kind of a pizza place up here. None. Nope. No, we don't have any of those. We have a gazillion. We have pizza, pizza places, places, but yeah, but it's special. Yeah, we have, that we have place some good pizza. Is, we do. We have too. some really good pizza places. It, it's just the place is special. It's oh, it's really really good. It is good. amazing. Really really good. And they have all these different kinds of breadsticks that just are so solid with the pizza. Miss I, it so much. <laughs> I feel like she would be perfect for quick fire carves. Possibly, I, I should have. I yeah, should have, I, like, I should have had some rapid fire. It's plan been in the this. back of my mind this whole time because I, like, I I could have come up with a couple. of... Grand City's beauties to throw at you, and you'd be like, "What?" I am a food connoisseur. I will eat almost another reason why Ab likes you so much. Almost (laughs) anything. I love food. Love it. Wow, she's in the right company then. I, I definitely <laughs> think so. I think we, we, we could have had a second part of this whole episode, we, too. Like, yeah, this could be like... You know, we, could, we could have the Grand Forks version of this. Grand Forks food and conspiracy theories. Nice. <laughs> yes. She do, yeah, that's the other thing. Yep, conspiracy <laughs> theories are there. She The birds are not real. Nope. We'll talk about that in the, the next time we have you here. But <laughs> I do have to cut this one off. So, Coach Everhart, Bryce, thanks for stopping by. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more of I Have the Swarm right after this. Orkers Island Inn is now hiring and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We're hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today. Back for our final segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm. And always, you know, we didn't have Coach Eberhardt last year. No. In the, well, the pandemic shortened year. It's where been a long time since we've had him. It has been. It's been two yeah. years since we've had him on the show. So it was, it's always good to have him back and, and talking golf. And, you know, again, such a it's such a strange season. It is. Where you just go lights out for six weeks and then it stops for six months five or six months yeah and then you get a few more in in the spring and then you know unfortunately for them this year they're not going to be in a position where they get to play in that it is tournament. a real bizarre like setup and we've talked about it before on the podcast about how the fact that it's unlike any other sport because there's no other sport where you have to wait for your national meet for six months right after you've clinched the bid to it so and unfortunately for for them not this year for teams but, like this right yeah. they in those six months Rarely can you play. Right, yeah. Whereas the teams they're competing against that are in the South, Warm weather climates, they play yeah. every day. Yep, they can play every day. They play every single day. So you're, we're lucky a, if we're back on the course by May. You're at a distinct disadvantage. Yep. 
yep. playing up here and, you know. Well, it's it, something we it, talked about with Joey Cummings. Right. When he was here. Yep. The, both times that we had him, you know, it was – and Sam Albrecht was here with us mm-hmm. uh, at the same time Joey was, I think, last year. That yep. was the golf interview that we did. And um, they both talked about it. It's, it's a weird thing because when they go down to those national meets, in the past they've been like, well, you know, how many rounds did you guys get in? Well, we got – you know, these teams are talking, talking about how much, you know – time they've been able to put in during right. the offseason six times yes yeah, oh total no this week yeah this yeah this week and then yeah i think it was joey that said something along the lines of yeah hell we've gotten in like three rounds total <laughs> or so, it was something like that like you know and, you and realize, two of those i played when i was on vacation yeah what a different <laughs> uh what a different uh world it is for the warm climate teams versus the uh the cold climate teams like us but uh yeah hopefully they'll get back there though soon yeah that's I, my goal i, I agree. hope i, I hope yeah. they they're they're like you mentioned they're young yep on both sides they're young you know it's it's hard to recover from losing guys like joey and ryan oh well, you went like, three you know, in a row it's yeah, kind of tough yeah like it's, on the men's side so it's yeah. it's difficult to overcome that sometimes but you know again likes a lot of the youth he has and in some ways probably a year away right yeah from, from well, being really really good on both sides well and i think golf is one of those sports too where it's so difficult to maintain a certain level of performance all the time yep um because it can take um, one thing here or there yep. that can totally change your game yep. for a given day or a given round or a, a given tournament. Or and even four holes within your round. I mean, Yeah, exactly. You know? And sometimes that's all it takes. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, they were right, the men were right in contention uh, to the very end. I know they ended up third. So, yeah, anyway, but hopefully they'll get back and – uh, but thankfully, we also have other teams that are going to be entering the postseason really quickly here. Yep. Uh, not Let's, quite yet, but almost. You know, it's again, well, women's soccer is already clinched. They've yep. clinched a playoff spot already, so we know that they're going to be in the tournament. Obviously, the men are going to be and in I'm the tournament. And I'm expecting the men will probably this weekend. Probably this weekend where they'll yep. be able to clinch their, their spot. Um, there's definitely a separation in volleyball yep. of the top four. You know, because you've got your Northwest, and then you have the three-way tie, and then it drops off after right. that. So yeah. I think it's pretty safe to say who the four are going to be. They're jockeying for a it's seed who, right now. What was the yeah. seeding going to be? Yeah, what's you the seeding going to be? So yeah, all three of uh, those teams have, uh, like I said, postseason coming up, and they're the three teams that are in action this week. So yep, we'll get right to it. Uh, women's soccer, who has a chance to clinch uh, a conference crown, depending on how things go here this week. They have three games on the docket. Uh, one of them is the rescheduled game from earlier against North Central due to COVID nineteen protocols. Um, but they start out. Uh, uh, the week, I guess you could say. Tomorrow, taking on North Central as we record this on a Thursday. 1 p.m. against the Rams. That'll be the first game they play the Rams this week. Then they'll take a break from the Rams in between on Saturday to take on Northwestern, who's in second place. And the Yellow Jackets had a 3 nothing win the first time they played them. Um, and they could actually give themselves the full tiebreaker uh, if they are able to beat the uh, Eagles on Saturday at the MC Spartan Sports Complex. In fact, both those games will be up at uh, the complex. So if you're around... You know, feel free to come out and watch them because uh, they're playing really good ball right now. They're playing really, really well right now. Yep. Um, so the game against North Central on Friday is at 1 p.m. And the game against uh, Northwestern on Saturday is at 2 p.m. That's our next broadcast, by the way, with yours truly. Uh, and actually our final regular season broadcast of the year. Um, I'm assuming both teams will be home for the playoffs. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Pretty safe bet that yeah. for at least the semifinals, yep. they'll both be at home. You know, we're, we're moving forward planning for them both to be at home. That would be on November 3rd. Yep. And then, you know, depending on what happens there, 
pretty good chance they could both be home again on that Saturday for the championship too. Yeah. So, so there could be a lot of postseason soccer there coming could, up. There's yep. a lot of stuff coming up. So uh, 1 p.m. against the Rams again on Friday, with three, uh, 2 p.m. against the Northwestern on Saturday, and then they'll play that makeup game on Monday after taking a day off on Sunday. They'll go down to Elliott Park in Minneapolis and take on North Central. That'll be a 3.30 p.m. opening kick. So three games for the women coming up, and uh, if they keep on rolling right along, uh, they might be – uh, conference champs for all we know next time we are on the podcast so mm-hmm. uh, good luck to them men's soccer tied for first place right now with bethany lutheran at nine and one in the league they have two games this week friday against north central so tomorrow 3 30 p.m and then on saturday northwestern that'll be game two of a double header with yours truly again our final regular season broadcasts of yellow jacket men's and women's soccer 4 30 p.m the opening kick there that's a tentative of course depending on how quickly the women's game gets over and tentative uh, pregame at 4 15 and so that's what's coming up for them. Tied with Bethany Lutheran, but that is already down to the third tiebreaker. Okay. Because first is obviously head-to-head. Right. And they each won. Yep. Then the second is goal differential and between the two, and they each won over the opponent by a goal. Okay. So now the third tiebreaker goes into goal differential among conference teams. Okay. And uh, because of that, Superior does have the advantage um, – if you look at just actual total goals for and against, it's not close. Right, yeah. You know, I mean, because Joe's been – his team has been winning by a pretty yeah, hefty seven margin. Yeah, 7 on a regular yeah. margin. But only yeah. – it only counts up to four. Okay. So after four goals, you know, you win eight, it still only counts as four. So it is a little bit closer than that. But as of right now, he does own the tiebreaker. And if it started today, it would be the number one seed. Okay. So, yeah, both teams would be the number one seed if it started right now. So uh, that's what's coming up this week for men's uh, soccer. Uh, women's volleyball also has three games this week. Tomorrow they're at the number 17 ranked team, Northwestern, 7 p.m. Then they're on Saturday at North Central before they return home for a non-conference match against UW-Stout on Tuesday at 7 p.m. at the Mertz. So three big matches for them. Uh, that Northwestern team is pretty much locked in the number one right now. I think they're undefeated in the league so far. Um, but, again, they're tied for second right now with Martin Luther and also Minnesota Morris. They do have the Cougars coming up, I think, on the 30th. Correct. So in between, there's some time to make some position, make up some room, I think, as well in there. And I'd have to go back and look at the tiebreakers for the in the sport code for volleyball because I know they're – with Martin Luther, that would obviously be the second – into the second tiebreaker because there was right. a head-to-head head split there. Yeah. And yeah. they both swept, so it, there it's – I'd have to see what the next tiebreaker is in the sport code. I didn't look okay. that one up. Okay. Well, we'll find out. But uh, right now they're one of the top four seeds, and we'll find out, of course, over the next couple of weeks where they end up in terms of uh, probably seeding for the UMAC tournament. But that's coming up here in the next few weeks. And men's and women's cross country who competed last week are idle. So basically it's the three um, traditional team sports uh, that are playing this week. Uh, of course, women's hockey. Has an exhibition game tonight against St. Scholastica mm-hmm. over at Mars Lakeview Arena as we record this on a Thursday again. 7 p.m., the opening face-off over there. I was thinking about dropping in to see might, what might happen over there. I'm not quite sure yet see what uh, Dan Laughlin's group looks like this year. But, um, yeah, that's it, though. I mean, other than that, that's that's what we got coming up this week. So there's going to be a lot of focus on the two soccers, uh, volleyball. And uh, then, like you said, we get the both basketballs and both hockey is going to start starting up here. Uh, Next weekend. Yeah. End of October, early November. So mm-hmm. next weekend is when they start for real. And you know, I'd it'd be remiss if we didn't mention the we do have the giveaways on Saturday. You know, the the women's game against Northwestern, they're going to be giving away the fanny packs, the first one hundred. That's right. Yeah, I saw the, that are coming in, yeah. and then for the men's match, they're going to be giving away one hundred fifty scarves, the soccer scarves. I saw that as well. They were supposed to be given out yesterday, but we 
decided to scrap that and move it to Saturday based on the weather. Okay. Knowing that our crowd pro- probably wasn't going to be overly robust. I was impressed, though. There were quite a few There were some hearty souls it. in the in the yeah. bleachers, that's for sure. There were some hearty souls in the bleachers, but yeah, that's a... Uh, um, I think it was a good call to move it to Saturday, so I we got the, the two giveaways there. And then is the weather supposed to be good that day? Do you know? Uh, I, I believe it's going to be kind of like today. Okay. I think it's going to be sunny. But see, it's I can be live cool. with that. That's going to be nice. That's yeah, going to be sunny and cool, from what I remember looking okay. at. So more traditional fall day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More traditional fall day, and uh, you know, the other thing that we didn't mention in the in the first segment that did come out was the uh, WIAC men's hockey poll came out this afternoon, and the uh, the Yellow Jackets picked fourth. Oh. Defending champions are picked to finish fourth. So I that's bulletin board material. I have a hunch that's going to be a little bit of a motivator for the fellas in the room because. Uh, <laughs> well, if they, I know Rich McKenna, he'll definitely be highlighting. Yeah, that. Yeah, I have I have a hunch, and we'll have him on the show here at some point, and we'll be able to to ask him point blank, and he'll give the standard coach speak. Ah, polls, you know, they don't mean anything, and they always get those wrong, and and all of this, but I. I have a hunch that's going to be a little bit of a motivator for those for the guys. defending champs. Yeah, that'll yeah. be yeah, <laughs> going to be a bit of a motivator. So that was the the other piece of news that that came out here just today, right before we we stepped in to record this one. But it's uh, yeah, hockey season's here. Yeah, basketball season's here. Buckle up. It's going to be Thanksgiving before we know it, man. And you know what? One of the things I have to say this. I am so happy whenever I see the leaves change. I just <laughs> I, I we haven't talked about that all. I mean, we talked about the weather a little bit, but this is my favorite time of year. Generally speaking, I mean, we've had a lot of weird weather patterns, mm-hmm. but when we have days like today where you can actually see the color because the sun's out and yep. you can see all the different golds and reds and oranges and all that kind of stuff. I just, I, that makes me happy. And maybe I'm the only one, but that's just, it makes me happy. No, no, you're probably not the only one out there. I think there's obviously plenty of people who enjoy the fall colors because it's a tourist attraction up here. It is. For, it definitely for is. For folks to come and make the drive up Highway 61 and be able to. To look at the Take changes, the scenic drive and, up Old Sixty One yeah, and have and a look. Be able to, yep. to have a look at all of that, and there's a reason that so many families, mine included, does their family photos in the fall. Right, go up to Split know. Rock and have a look around. And, yeah, yep. so that, there's there's a reason for all that. You're not the only one. Okay, well, I just wanted to make sure I got that. You know, out people there. look I, at me funny when they're like, "What's your favorite season?" Well, fall going into winter. Right. Yeah. Well, winter, yes. I, I don't mind winter. The dog days of it's, January and February are tough. Yeah, that's yeah. that's rough, and you know, I'm getting to the. I'm getting a little older now, so it's like, well, I don't love that part of it anymore. And I get really aggravated when you have to shovel twice a day for four days in a row. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I still I still like winter. I do, too. It means it's hockey season. It makes me happy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a big smile on the face because yeah. uh, you and I both love winter sports. Mm-hmm. We both love sports in general, but especially the winter sports. Yep. You know, so, yeah. But that's – uh after all that segueing that we just did, yeah, uh, that's what's coming up this week. So for more information, go to uwslejackets.com. And that's that. And that's that. That's the news that's fit to print. Or know, fit to speak about. Fit to speak about, however you want to put it. But uh, at any rate, it's uh, the closing of some regular seasons, the openings of others, and uh, next week's show definitely will be a lot, of, a lot of postseason talk. Yep, and if you're curious about any of our broadcasts, by the way, you can always go to the broadcast page, too, on the website at uwslejackets.com slash broadcast. Yep, and there's a list of the games coming up, and uh, uh, whether me or John will be broadcasting those games. So uh, if you haven't seen that, just check it out. It's actually a pretty cool page. Elliot Sweary is our engineer. He's the big sound, Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and thank you again for joining us as we uh, navigate our way through everything that seems to happen at the Yellow Jacket Athletics on this program. And we probably wouldn't do it if we didn't have listeners. And we know we do because you can see the numbers. And we do have listeners. So thank you very much for everybody tuning in out there. This has been Eye of the Swarm. (laughs) 